Welcome back to the Dismantling You podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Pineda. On this Martin Luther King Jr. Day, a day to reflect and honor what Reverend Dr. King's legacy stood for, justice, equality, and to make opportunity a reality for all people. That being said, it is my pleasure and honor to introduce my next podcast guest, Kenneth Johnson, a distinguished diversity recruiter. He is the president of East Coast Executives, TEDx Harlem organizer, TEDx speaker, Forbes coach, Google on-air facilitator, host, and executive programmer of the Career Seeker Show on WPPM 106.5 FM in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and host of Urban League Jobs Network. So before we get started, if you are new to the podcast, be sure to subscribe to be notified when new episodes release, and don't forget to leave a review. The more reviews and shares that we get, the more people we can reach, and you never know when an episode can impact someone's life. Now stay tuned for my conversation with Kenneth. I believe I wear a lot of different hats. I think you're you're right in that. But I think they're the same style, as I had mentioned. Um, initially, I wanted to own my own staffing firm, right? A temp service uh, is what they called them back then. And what happened was um, I couldn't get an opportunity. When I graduated from college at the University of Pittsburgh, I was kind of running around Pittsburgh trying to get somebody to hire me, and no one hired me. And my best friend, uh, his name is Tori Epps. He's from Uniontown, Pennsylvania as well. And he ended up being drafted by the Atlanta Falcons to play professional football. So I moved to Atlanta, right? And I was like, you know what? This might be a better a better place for me to find an opportunity. And I was in Atlanta, and I couldn't find anybody to hire me to work for their temporary staffing firm there either. Um, so eventually, I ended up coming to uh, Philadelphia where I had spent so much time as a youth. I love Philadelphia. I consider Philadelphia home. Um, but I was came to Philadelphia looking for opportunities, and that's where I found it. And uh, a, a lady, her name was Patricia Troy, Troy and Joyce Holly, uh, they had just opened up their own recruitment firm, temporary staffing firm, and they hired me. And, and then I realized that it wasn't that people necessarily weren't looking to hire me. I didn't have experience. I just had college behind me right and uh but they took a chance on me and there's a long story behind that but they took a chance on me and I was able to sit down and kind of learn a little bit about the business and then I decided that temporary staffing probably wasn't for me but through that network I was introduced to a gentleman named Bernard Johnson and uh no relation but uh Bernard gave me an opportunity and taught me the business of executive search and as we kind of worked through learning that business and me becoming kind of a lead at his particular organization called Urban Recruiters. Um, Eventually, I just branched off to do my own thing. But instead of making an executive search firm, I decided I wanted to do diversity search, not exclusively, but primarily. And that was based on the people that were supporting me typically were, uh, would be described as diverse decision makers. Uh, so it was really black women and, and black men that were saying, hey, Ken, heard about your firm. I'd like to give you an opportunity to to do a search for us and to get some business. But uh, but that that kind of led me to really believe that 
that I could move forward in this business. And then everything else just kind of came from adding on to the offering or adding on to the ways that I support professionals. You gave a powerful speech, Eliminate My Job in Philly, um, about a year ago. I loved it. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, you know... So the work we do, right, it's, I have a diversity recruitment firm. So the work we do, you know, companies come to us when they're looking to add diverse talent to their recruitment pipelines. And that's great. But why do they need to have a particular recruiter to do that? Why can't, you know, diverse candidates just get hired on the same clip or the same standard or scale that non-diverse candidates get hired through? So really, I think that if we if we do a good enough job of of placing people in decision-making roles, diverse candidates in decision-making roles, then my job will no longer be necessary. Like, I think we're necessary. Now you need a diversity recruiter uh, just to kind of check, just kind of to check the the ecosystem and and to make sure that diverse candidates are being seen. But wow, it would be so amazing if if that wasn't an issue at all. And you gave uh, some enlightening stats out there, um, you know, can you talk us through again? So, so yeah, um, you know what what started what started my direction towards becoming a diversity recruiter was really entrenched in the numbers. So, just in looking at the numbers, um, and and this was this wasn't the numbers. I didn't have access to the numbers across the board, and companies still aren't completely comfortable with releasing that type of data. But I could clearly see out of the Fortune 500 CEOs who looked like what and who looked like who. And a lot of them looked a lot alike to me. And, you know, the numbers just bared it out. Uh, Less than 1% of Fortune 500 CEOs at the time. Uh, And the time I did that particular talk, I think that might have been 2019. I can't remember, but it was 1%. I think there were three or four uh, Fortune 500 CEOs that were African-American, uh, less than 2% were Latinx, less than 2% were Asian, and less than 5% were women. And so if you just, if that, if you just play that out in a, in a graphic, right, <laughs> and you see this little box of like 16 people, give or take, that, that are Fortune 500 CEOs that don't look like the other 484, being that they're white males. And uh, and that number just seemed so skewed to me. And that was kind of the the premise around the the TED Talk, the, first, the face of workplace diversity, and also the help me eliminate my job for Ignite Philly. So talk to us about your diversity recruitment firm. Yeah, so my, my firm is East Coast Executives. Uh, we're a diversity recruitment firm based in Harlem, New York. Uh, strategically based in Harlem, we're there for a reason. We believe that's the epicenter of Black culture in this country. It's changing. Harlem's changing a lot. Uh, but we still believe that that we have a very, very unique place in the consciousness of America and the world, for that matter. Uh, so with that being said, um, that was the only place that East Coast executives could sit down and do business in. We started in South Philadelphia, but... but um, we would live, I was living in New York City, and it just made complete sense that, that we would do it in Harlem. Um, it's, you know, uh, our company, although our core has stayed the same, we started out as a contingency search firm. And for all the people that are familiar with this type of work, uh, that basically just means that 
that companies pay you when you find the person, right? And then we we went to a retained search model because we saw a lot of our contemporaries, uh, the non-diverse firms working in that model. But that uh, that offers the company an opportunity to be more committed to the hire. They pay you um, not 100% upfront, but there's an arrangement where you're both invested in the search. And we found that to be a better model because that allows us to get more feedback and better feedback from the businesses that we're engaged in a search for and the businesses that we serve. But in turn, when you're getting better feedback, you could prepare your candidates, the successful ones and the unsuccessful ones, better by sharing that feedback with them that allows them to move forward. Actually, uh, it's interesting that we're having this conversation today, Lisa, because, uh, oh, you might not even hear, hold on. Yeah, so I have this shirt on today and it says black box, right? Love it. And basically what happened, once we started getting this feedback and we realized how valuable it was, uh, we said, you know what, let's create a career consciousness portal that allows people to be very intentional about their careers. And a piece of being intentional about your career is getting feedback along the way, right? So interview experiences are so powerful and the information is so good and it can really direct how you move forward. Uh, we just felt that, look, let's, as a, as a diversity recruitment firm, let's find a way to offer another platform for candidates to just improve on their skills, whether it be behavioral-based interviewing, resume, LinkedIn, whatever it is. Let's just help them be more successful as they kind of go through their career journey. I love that. You're so supportive on every end. And and, and also you uh, basically uh, led Google workshops as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, uh, well what do you want to call it? Uh, the Google job search <laughs> facilitator. I don't know. Um, yeah. So, so we did Google workshops at the Grow With Google Learning Center in Manhattan. Uh, so let me think. We did three workshops. We did a series of workshops and we would do them pretty much weekly, but it was uh, behavioral-based interviewing, job search networking, and, and salary negotiation. So we just packaged it through. You know, you you network to get a job interview, and then this is how you kind of move forward in the job interview using the STAR technique and behavioral-based interviewing. And then you're in a position to negotiate the salary that you deserve. And th- those classes were amazing, and it was a great platform. The, the people at Google were, I mean, just that that relationship has been been so amazing. They asked me to come on and do a workshop with a Google on-air platform that they created when the pandemic hit because we couldn't go to the learning centers anymore. So I did a workshop on uh, the the Grow With Google on-air platform that was sent out across the U.S. and Canada. So that was amazing. But a big piece of that relationship also came about through my affiliation with the New York Urban League. Uh, They had a strong relationship with Google and they were able to to make the introduction and foster the the platform that allowed us to do the workshops. That's phenomenal. So that was going to actually lead me to my next question, which is how has this pandemic affected you uh, professionally and personally? It sounds as though you've been able to pivot. Yeah, you know, it's uh, sometimes circumstances and just our position in the world and a whole, as a whole, especially in this country, um, cause things to cause you to have to be 
very fluid in the way you operate, right? So uh, the pandemic played a, a big part in kind of how our business was working because we're such we're in such a face-to-face networking type environment. Like the way we do recruitment is very, very old school in the sense that we like to make personal connections with not only our client companies, but even the candidates that we serve as much as we can, because we have a, a national presence. So I can't come out to LA and meet you for a coffee and speak about a job, right? It just wouldn't be, I'd love to, but it just wouldn't work that way, right? So uh, the pandemic kind of caused us to to look at the way that we're delivering our messaging and our services. But I think more, more importantly, what happened in the pandemic uh, for us, and I don't want to say more importantly, but what kind of changed the course, because we were struggling just like every other business. Uh, people weren't hiring because everybody was sitting at home and people didn't understand how to go about hiring and moving forward in a virtual environment. And, you know, it just, I think people were in shock. We thought, you know, especially being here in New York City, I think initially I said, oh, we'll be in the house for about two weeks. And we're still in the house, right? <laughs> this is like 10 months now. So, um, so yeah, so it's a little different. But uh, what, what really happened during the pandemic that kind of shifted the way we started to move forward was the murder of Mr. Floyd. Uh, when George Floyd was murdered, a lot of companies start reaching out to us because they started understanding the systematic racism that was going on and they were sitting right in the middle of it. And for some of them, even being a firm participant in it and maybe not realizing to a full extent uh, on how bad things were for people of color and women even, but specifically people of color and black people uh, in this whole employment landscape. So people started calling us saying, hey, Kim, we're looking to add some talent and we want to have a conversation with your firm. We did a Google search and we saw you and we saw some of the other things you're doing, whether it's, you know, Google, TEDx, Indeed. Like these are people that we've partnered with to do work. And uh, and then in turn, you know, companies, other companies started reaching out to us. So it's been, it's, it's allowed us to move in some different directions. But, you know, I, I will say this, Lisa, Although it's been really encouraging, you know, I, there, so, so as you speak to leadership in different Black organizations, we speak about a window. And this is a window that's currently open for us to kind of come in and position ourselves to, to do some business and do some great things and to support and help people. But we know that window is going to close because it's been 400 years of that window being closed. So... We understand that it's probably going to close. We hope it doesn't close all the way. But in this in this particular time, we're going to try to take advantage of the opportunities that are presented before us. Yeah, no doubt. It's definitely been a catalyst moving forward. So, you know, uh, just to shift gears on you, uh, what mindset shifts have you acquired lately? Anything that has changed your perspective? Maybe um, old beliefs, thought patterns? Yeah, you know, I don't know if it was a mindset shift. Um, and now now think about this. I'm thinking holistically from, from a business owner standpoint, right? But I, I don't know if <laughs> initially, I don't know. I looked at my business as a separate entity. I didn't necessarily look at it as being a reflection of me. And so, so what I mean by that is the things that I set out to accomplish 
like personally, especially if you talk like, and I don't want to get too kind of like <laughs> too pie in the skies, but if you're looking at like manifesting some things in your own personal life and career, like I just looked at that so separate than what I wanted for my business. But because I've been doing this for 19 years, uh, a lot of it has become one and the same because I carry East Coast executives wherever I go, right? So as I tried to accomplish some personal things, now I think the the switch has been that I look at the personal stuff and say, you know what? I probably need to focus in and see how I can leverage this to support my business goals. And it's a legacy piece. Like what I leave for what, you know, what piece do I leave for my children and how they move forward? So a prime example would be, you know, I've always wanted to write a book, right? So initially the book was just going to be about me and my career journey and kind of how I got here. But now the book idea has transformed into something that's kind of more all encompassing on how to do business and how to support your community and how to support other professionals and things of that nature. And originally it was just going to be about me. <laughs> so, so I kind of, so I think, I think that's the mind switch. Like you just understand that you're, you're really operating, you know, we're all connected together. So you can't operate as an individual. You have to operate with other people in mind. I love that. So who inspires you? Who are your heroes? I mean, you know, clearly my father was was my hero. My father passed away. Uh, it'll be two years in August. Uh, but he was a great guy. Um, <laughs> he, hands down, like this is, he's the reason that everything has kind of worked for me. But it's a funny thing, right? Uh, my father wasn't the one that says, hey, I'm going to, he was an unbelievable provider, right? But he wasn't a person that's like, I'm going to, lead you in this direction. Here's what I want you to do. Like he wasn't instructional in that way. And typically when you told him what it was that you wanted to do, he would start jabbing at it and poking holes in it. But then later on in life, he told me that the reason he interacted with me like that was because he wanted to see how committed I was to it. Like if he, if he, if he was the person to say, ah, oh, that's not going to work. You shouldn't do that. And I just chose to believe that and walk away then that was a weakness for me, right? Then, then I was weak. So, so he would, and I never knew this, like even with my college choices, you know, where I decided to go to school at the University of Maryland, he gave me three other schools I should go to, but I stuck to my guns and went to Maryland. And eventually he was like, that was the right place for you. I just wanted to make sure that that's what you wanted to do. So, so yeah, he's, he's hero number one. Uh, you know, I think as a, as a young African-American male in a very, very, and almost a, just the community that I grew up in in Uniontown was so supportive of, uh, of me and even my peer group. Uh, I'm from the East End section of Uniontown, Pennsylvania. And uh, it's, a, it's a predominantly black neighborhood. And uh, everybody there, I consider family. Like everybody was so supportive and so encouraging of me and my pursuits. And, uh, and I think that alone, you know, that whole thing, it takes a community to raise a child. I experienced that 100%, like 100%. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt that I'm related to a lot of people over there as well. Right. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so that was a, that was a big piece of kind of, you know, 
who I am and how I kind of got to be th- this way and got to where I wanted to go. Uh, so, so that community piece uh, was important. My father was very much a part of the community. The community I speak in my TEDx talk about the first time I ever spoke about careers. I was at the East End United Community Center. That was a community center in our neighborhood uh, that I went to weekly, if not daily, uh, for for recreation, support, camaraderie, whatever you call it. But uh, just such a big part of kind of who I am. A supportive community is just so valuable, hands down, no doubt. What's the impact that you'd love to leave? Oh, come on, Lisa. That's such a that's such a loaded question, and it's a big question. I I'm surprised I've never been asked that. That's a really good one. Um, and I need them to put a statue of me in Philadelphia. There's no reason for them to do it. Hey, <laughs> why not? Silly. I need a statue in South Philly. No, there's no, <laughs> there's no reason for them to do it. But uh, no, I, to, to, in all honesty, I think from a legacy standpoint, you know, it's it's one of those things, right? It's like leave the place better than it was when oh, you yeah. arrived, right? Love that. And, uh, and I just believe that it takes so little to be impactful to your community and your space that you're mm-hmm. in. And although, you know, I'm not native to Harlem, like Harlem's not where I grew up. Uh, I've been there for on and off for 20 years now. So it that's that's probably longer than the place I grew up in, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so I left I love Uniontown at 17. Uh, you yeah. know, never counted to return and live. Uh, but I think if you can, if you can work to support not only the big picture, but, you know, the community that you live in. And I think, you know, just last year when we were able to successfully, and it wasn't just me, I had a team of people, uh, Gina Ramcharan, uh, Kimberly Gray, Dan Young, they, they were the team that helped me put together TEDx Harlem. And to see how important that event was and for us to continue to do that event to that community, uh, really kind of, it took, it just took my breath away. Like the people were so encouraged by it and they, they really appreciated the opportunity to, to, to have Harlem on that particular stage. And, uh, and, and I think that is a piece that I'll always remember and, and, I'll be able to say, hey, I, I did that for Harlem. Uh, that's going to be an amazing thing for even my children to tell people down the road. And hopefully we continue to do it. The pandemic stopped us from doing it in 2020. Uh, I do believe we'll do some type of virtual TEDx Harlem event uh, within the next few months, probably 2021. Um, but I think the, the essence of Harlem comes in the people getting together. And like getting together virtually is fine if that's the way we have to do it uh, and, and, and sending our message to the world. But I do think that uh, when we're able to do it again at the National Black Theater or wherever we do it at, maybe the Apollo, right? Like, let's do it big. Whenever we're able to do it again and to put people in the building, it's going to be amazing again. That energy is something I'll never forget. No doubt. Good for you. Congratulations on the success of that. So. This has been such an amazing conversation. Thank you so much, Kenneth, for your willingness. I I mean, you gave so many valuable golden nuggets, but 
before I let you go, I'd love for our viewers to know where they can connect with you um, online. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I think the one-stop portal for me, uh, and this is back to our earlier point, the business has become such a part of my life. So if you go to eastcoastexecutives.com, you can find information about East Coast Executives, of course, uh, the new initiative, Black Box, the Career Seekers radio show that we do in Philly on WPPM 106.5 FM. Uh, you can find information about any workshop that we're doing, our relationship with the New York Urban League, the National Urban League, the Urban League of Philadelphia, whatever you want to find, it's at eastcoastexecutives.com. And, you know, we're happy to to take an email or a phone call if somebody needs more information and or support about our services. This is the work we do. We're 100% committed to it and uh, happy to be of service to any and all people of interest. Excellent. Well, thank you again, Kenneth. I wish you much continued success. This has been an amazing conversation. All the best. Thank you. You know we're in touch forever now, right? Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. That Uniontown connection. There you go. There you go. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kenneth. Thank you so much for listening. You know, it's these mindset shifts that truly make a difference. And if you are in the position of hiring someone, I hope this will help you eliminate Ken's job. I'm Lisa Pineda. Until next time, here's to dismantling you.